Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful, you all may take a seat. It's really good to be together this evening. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to ask my good friend Maurice to bring two stools up. We are finishing tonight our series. If you have not been around, it's called This Is What We Do. We're gonna, if, you, if you don't know what that's about, we'll bring it up into the light now. But it's been a three-week series. where we've, It's a family series where we believe God is calling us to a value that is in, in His heart for us and what we call to be as the people of God. And Mark and I have been pre- had the privilege of preaching this series across our three congregations. And we thought we're so full with what God is saying to, to us and to us as a community we love. We thought this pulpit isn't big enough for, the, for one of us. We need to get both of us up here. So I'm gonna, I've got the privilege of interviewing my good friend Mark Van Pletsen tonight. So let's call up the, the baby whisperer, Mark Van Pletsen. There we go. There he is. Uh, it's like this, uh, it's a show, you know, quick change behind, <laughs> behind scenes. Uh, there we go. Really good to be together. Mark, hello. Hello, Gabriel. What a privilege to talk to you. I, I, I long to, to talk to Mark face to face, but he's just so busy. So I've got to do it at church. Really privileged. But uh, Mark, just before we get into the content of what we want to speak about tonight, um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Gabe Phillips. This is Mark Van Pletsen. Hello. There we go. And uh, we have the privilege of being uh, elders here at Life Change Church. Mark leads the eldership team and gives oversight to the Tableview community. Uh, my wife and I, we are involved in the Milton one predominantly, but, but we are here more often than not as well. But it's a just incredible privilege just to be able to speak this evening. But Mark, just on the back of this week for us, it's been a big week as a family. And, uh, and you mentioned during worship, Andrew Van Rayen, a dad uh, of, a, of a girl who had just lost her battle to lupus, um, but, but won in, the, in, in going to eternity with her King Jesus. Can you talk to us? You've mentioned this last week. You said Wednesday, the funeral was not just another funeral for you. It was a high day in the sense of in a normal economy, it was a tough day. But in the, in the light of what God is doing with us as a family and, and what he is putting inside of us, why, why would you describe it as a, as a good day for you? Yeah, it's been a, I said it during, at the, at the funeral on Wednesday, I said it last Sunday, and I'll say it again tonight, so I just want to honor this community, a community of faith who has prayed, who has trusted, and um, for the last three and a half, four years, we prayed and trusted for Andrea. Two years ago, I had the privilege of doing her and Mark's funeral, I mean, a wedding. Sorry, it's been a big week, and, um, and uh, I just remember, even before the wedding, I met with Mark and Andrea, I said, hey guys, Lupus is in the mix here. It's not a norm. It has potential consequences that are devastating. And he never flinched once at the concept, the idea, the fact that he said, whatever time I've got, I'm going to love this lady. And then as a family, we have prayed and we have trusted. And we've seen some miracles. We've seen some breakthroughs. But on Wednesday last week, um, Andrea did pass. But Wednesday for me, someone asked me this weekend. We were away with the eldership team. We go away once a year for two nights. And someone said, well, what makes a great moment? What makes a great service for you? And, um, and I said, well, Wednesday was probably one of the greatest church services I've ever been in. There was faith as a, as a father who's fought and believes in healing and trusts for healing. And, but in a moment of actually, I could, it could be all about me or can trust who God says he is. Raise his hands in worship. There was courage as a community, stand with the community. There was generosity. And maybe we can pop up one or two of the slides. Um, I don't know what you think should be, a funeral should look like, but that on the table is one of the tables with food yeah. from this community as they brought food. Yeah. 
to a community because they love this family. There were people who have never, don't even know this family who've heard about them and said, I want to come to a funeral and I want to be a part of it. How can I be a part of it? Well, bring food. And, um, and I don't know what you think. That looks more like a party or a celebration, which actually, when the economy of heaven and the economy of eternity and who Jesus is, a funeral of a believer in Jesus Christ is a celebration. And that cake on the right, I took a photo of it, and I didn't know who made it. I, I thought maybe someone had gone and bought this professional to make it, until I realized one of um, Jen Commermont, one of the ladies in the church, one of the, the elders' wives, um, who's a mom, who's busy, is a whole bunch of things, she decided to go and pour out. That cake was about this high. The chocolate was about this high. There's gold. It was unbelievably spectacular. And um, there's another uh, f photo, the next slide, please. You'll see that um, people just came. I mean, these are just little snapshots. There were so many. There were two tables of food that on Friday went to the community in Danoon, and NPO young children received Woolworths cakes en masse. We got a video of them. They're going wild. I don't know if it was the sugar from the cake or the excitement of the moment. But, but Gabe's saying, well, what's special about it? Jesus won. Jesus has the victory. Andrea is no longer in pain. She got her miracle. She is yeah. perfect right now. She's in perfection with our king. We mourn and we have pain, but we get to come together as a community, celebrate and feast together because we know who Jesus is, because we keep trusting him and we'll keep running to him. And we get to stay with a stand with a family who have shown us courage. Yeah. I've worked with many amazing families over many years. I've walked about four of these scenarios over long times with people with really bad diseases. I've never had the privilege of standing with a family who've held a line of Jesus is completely healer and I, comp I trust him completely whatever we get to, wherever we land. It has brought complete security to me and who my king is and my ability to walk with him and the privilege. And, and I'm supposed to be the leader here and yet this family have led me Brilliant. profoundly. And so Wednesday was probably my greatest church service ever. And I love that, Mark, and you, it's, it's, it's not just a, the typical answer that people would expect to hear, but you've touched on this thing of generosity there, generosity of a community lavishly pouring out, and, and, and that is the essence of what we, we've, we've called the church in the last three weeks, a series of, actually, I just want to put on the table, this is what we do, we're a lavishly generous people. Yeah. And, uh, and can you explain the why behind that? So we, we're planning a series, it's three weeks, and you're saying, this is what we feel God is saying to us. Why now and why, why that? Why that series? I suppose there's a couple of reasons. Number one, the Bible just says, teach my people. It says, yeah. my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yeah. And, um, and when we don't teach what the Bible says, even if it's unpopular, even if it's been perverted within church dynamics, whatever the reasons we stop teaching, when we stop teaching it, I'm going to put this down because I'm waving it around like a big calculator. And when we stop teaching the Bible, the church get in trouble. And so we have to teach. Uh, I've got three boys, eight, seven, and four. They're growing up in a highly sexualized world. And if I feel awkward about speaking to them about sexuality, another voice will, and another voice will be their teacher. And God says, I'm their father. I'm designed to teach them. So I have to have the awkward, sometimes tough, sometimes contradictory to the world conversations. God says, I want you to do the same with my people in every area of life. And here's the reality. Jesus speaks 500 times about faith. It's a big thing, faith. It's part of it. 500 verses. But actually, over 2,500 verses around the issue of finances. So I'm not a numbers guy, but the reality is our hearts and generosity, not just generosity and finances, but yes, linked to finances, yeah. when that thing isn't under the authority of God. And, and here's my concern. 
I think when we do, when Paul wrote books of the Bible, Romans, Ephesians, he was writing with a pastor's heart and generally a pastoral concern. In Corinthians, there was chaos, but full of the Holy Spirit, but just disorder and chaos. In, in other stories, there was just a whole bunch of stuff going on, legalism creeping in. And in Hebrews, they were getting tired. A great people are getting tired. And he writes these books into the stories, and he says, actually, um, even though we're not sure he wrote Hebrews, I'm just going to throw that out, but many guys think it was Paul. And, um, and uh, he writes with a pastoral concern. When we do preaching series, sometimes it's also God laying a pastoral concern on his pastor's hearts. And I, I'm concerned as I have dinner conversations with people in the church, as I meet new folks, as I see people and how and the reasons they make their decisions, I'm concerned that the voices of this world that are shouting recession and um, all these challenges are shouting at us and they are real. I'm not saying they're not. But in, we are choosing to listen to those sometimes more than listen to the voice and the authority of the Word of God, which is a higher authority, which is a greater reality, and which is the one that brings freedom in my life. And I want to call people just to the Word of God, not to my preference, not to my reality. This is not a series because uh, we can't afford Gabe. Redheads are expensive in yeah, the church. It's true. They are expensive. And um, it's, that's not why we're doing the series. Actually, this is a generous church, and I want to thank you for that. But God's called us to more, and I'm telling you, there's always more. When we go to Him, we submit ourselves to His Word, and we trust Him. We say, God, actually, we're going to believe Your Word. Many, many people read the Word every day, but it doesn't mean they believe it. Just be honest. We are called believers. We aren't called knowers. I'm not a Christian because I know what the Bible says. I'm a Christian because I believe it and I do it. It's a fundamental difference. And in this area, I'm concerned that the voice of this world and the realities and the, the wisdom of this world are overcoming the wisdom that's been given to us in His Word. And, and we've used two pictures, two, uh, two big pictures, the one of the rope and the tug of war of our hearts and the one of the, the different cycles that, uh, that we are caught in between. Um, as, as anchor pieces in the series that help illustrate this. Could you walk us through that? What, what, what is this, this tug-of-war image that's, that so captures you to, to illustrate this point? I think knowing my own heart, and uh, there's all our lives, um, there are these ups and downs. I saw a guy I was preaching the other day says, actually, life is just a series of ups and downs that become keys that open doors. There's that kind of image. That's what a key is. It's just a whole bunch of ups and downs on steel that open a door and unlock that reality. In my life, there have been some ups and there have been some downs. Um, and uh, the challenge is we start allowing those ups and downs to start fashioning our idea of who God is. And so what happens then is we live with this tension in our heart. And on one side, you saw the image if you were here two weeks ago. On one side, there's these anchors. God is good. And we sing the songs and we sing them over and over. We're speaking to our souls. And God is a provider. And God is faithful. Those are some big anchors. But there's an enemy who doesn't play by the rules on the other side. And he says, you can anchor it with three big guys. I'll put 27 small guys and they'll pull those three big guys off their feet. Uh, the, the small guys are, well, my parents trusted the Lord for years and years and got liquidated at, when you were 20. See, that's my story. My parents gave and, and trusted God for 30 years and then got liquidated. What do I do with that? How do I process that? What does it mean about God? No, the Bible tells me who God is. Yeah. Not my circumstance situation. And, and there's a whole bunch of these things that happen in our life. Why the tension road? Because in the middle, there's this line. We're watching the line. Is it going over there or they've won? Is it going over there or they've won? No, that can't exist. What happens and what we are called to do is we are called to be believers in the Word of God. And the Word of God that is a two-edged sword comes on that tension and cuts the rope. 
There is no tension in our hearts, guys. There can't be. God is either provider, he is either good, he is either faithful, or he isn't. That is, those are your options. And if he is who he says he is, if he is who this Bible says he is, then our decision is to follow him. So all he said to the disciples, follow me. And when we do that, the life of God and the promises of God flow and then we kick into a supernatural reality versus the other where we live in a tension and we somehow think, well, at least God is winning the tension. God's saying, I don't want to win the tension of your heart. I want to be the everything of your heart. I'm a jealous God. I want every part of your heart. And the truth is, you don't have to live with the everyday tension. Am I going to be like God? Am I not? You allow the word of God to come in, revealing the king of kings, and we live free. Freedom is not money in a bank. Freedom is not the ability to wake up. Freedom is my heart that is in a spacious place because the word of God has taken it there. Revealing the Father, revealing the Son, and leading my life and becoming a basis for freedom and life. This is not about legalistic religious rubbish. We've just done eight weeks in the book of Galatians. Please go and listen to it. And the centerpiece of that whole book is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it's the exact same thing in the series of preaching around generosity and money and the reality. Why? Because the Word of God brings that. Yeah. And the Word of God is not silent on this issue. Brilliant. Alongside that image of the tug of war that's, that I think sticks with me is, is the thing of the understanding of the survivor cycle versus the sonship cycle. That actually there's two ways to respond. If we can put it up on the screen, I'm going to get Mark to talk us through it quickly. It's the cycles. <laughs> ah, here we go. It's my clickers. I, not, I yeah. felt like if you had more authority, it would have come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, me too, Mark. It's like, okay, take it off, and I'll ask for it. Let's see if we can get. So, could we have the survivor slide, please? Okay, that really Wonderful. could have been quicker, but that's fine. <laughs> We're just all growing, Mark. We're all growing. We're all learning, yeah. Yeah, no. We all wish we had your authority. That Mark, gets though. awkward. But um. <laughs> Well, why don't you just talk us through this, Mark? The, the one on our left is uh, the one on our left is a survivor cycle where yeah. we consume and, and we end up we just go eat all everything we've been given. We think that's all we're going to get, so we end up lacking, and then it big, big, produces fear in our hearts, so we end up consuming more. Can you can you talk us through those two cycles very quickly, and, and how yeah what what is God calling us to in this series? Yeah, I saw a dynamic of this. Another guy preached. He called it a scarcity cycle. So we live in a scarcity cycle or an abundance cycle. I think I've got, we rooted more in, in our identity in Christ and who the Bible says we are. And we are either sons of the living God, so we have a sonship reality that we live in, or we are survivors. Just like the world, just trying to get through. Dog eat dog. Whether you're a billionaire or you've got no bucks, you become a survivor. And survivors kick in this cycle. They, we are consumers. Our world says consume. Take what you can get and munch all of it because you don't know what tomorrow is coming. So spend it all today. Have it all today. Take whatever you can get. Consume. And so we live in our relationships. We have consumer realities. In our finances, we have consumer realities in every area. And so all we try to do is become better consumers. And then what happens, once we consume, the reality is we, we consume both the food and the seed. 2 Corinthians 9 says, actually, you, you are given bread to eat and seed to sow. Bible says you're all farmers. You've given bread to eat. Eat the bread. The problem in our new diet world is we start eating seeds. See, it's a problem. Don't eat seeds. They're telling you it's good for you. It's not good for you. Don't eat seeds. Sow those seeds. But the Bible says actually in your finances something, if you get 5,000 rand a month, in that 5,000 rand, God says I'm faithful. God says I'm provider. God says I've got you. 
in that 5,000 rand, there is food to eat, there's bread to eat to provide for me, and there is seed to be sown. Maybe you've got 20 hours of energy. It's the same thing. You've got energy to feed your soul, to make sure you're fine, but you've also got some energy to sow to others. It goes on and on and on. It's not just finances. It's every, my emotions, your emotions. Oh, I, I don't want to, I can't get close to the Van Rain family. It's, it's just a bit too much emotionally deep. No, Jesus is emotionally deep. And when you're in him, he gives you the resources you require to walk journeys with people. It's not a pastor's job. It's a disciple's job. And so this, what we go is we're going to consume. And then we consume our seed and our bread. So we've got no planting. So there's no extra food coming and fruit coming. And then what happens? We end up in, oh, I lack. I don't have. And we land in fear. And who's got us when we're in fear? The devil. He's got us. That's what he wants. He wants us to fear. He wants us to lack trust. He wants us to go on a journey where our decisions are made on Sunday by the songs we sing, but on Monday to Saturday by our fear. And, he wants, and the Bible says, actually, no, the issue is kick out of that cycle and believe. Believe that you are now a son and a daughter of the living God. Believe the promises of the God who is faithful to his promises and kick into a different cycle where we become like him. And at the center of this series and at the center of my fragile heart is, do I believe that God is a giver? Do I believe it? Do I, do I believe it? Do I believe that God, like his word said, gave his son? He gave his son. God is a giver. And when I understand that God is a giver, when I understand I'm made in him, his image, I go on a journey of becoming like him. That's what our journey is. Whether you're a pastor, whether you are a, an accountant, when you are a full-time mom, or whether you're a takeover-the-world corporate executive, your journey is to become like Jesus and to become like the Father as Jesus reveals us and shows us the Father and leads us to the Father. And we kick into a different cycle. We kick into a cycle where actually God multiplies and a supernatural factor starts happening in our life. And as we go on that journey, we allow God to come into our story. He reveals himself as provider. He reveals himself as the miracle worker. And he pulls us into a story and our faith grows. And it becomes easier to go on that story again. But you cannot tap dance the two cycles. You just can't. It's like, I'm trying to think of an image. It's like putting your foot in a, a washing machine. <laughs> Let's go with that one. Because that's what we do. You put your foot in a washing machine and put your foot in another washing and they're going the wrong way. It's not going to end well. You're going to be like a chicken drumstick that gets pulled off. It doesn't end well. We do that with our lives and we do that through lack of believing. It's what it is. It's a lack of believing or an ignorance about what the word actually says. Because I actually like to stay ignorant. Because I'm fearful that if I actually dive into the word, the word might challenge what I like to believe about God. And so I keep God because God's actually more like me, a consumer. Yeah. I think that you, maybe people sitting here going, that's an that's a interesting image, a yeah, washing right. machine. I apologize. And maybe a bit dramatic, but, uh, but I, uh, I love how you did add as an addendum to it that the word, in a sense, is equally dramatic, in a sense of, yeah. uh, and not, not un, un, naturally so. It's, it makes sense. In Proverbs 11, verse 24, it says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger which we would all love. The, whole, the world of the generous lives in a bigger space, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. A, a promise and, and a warning in some sense, some wisdom from the writer of the Proverbs there. What is this exactly talking about, Mark? Talking about the world of the generous getting bigger, the world of the stingy getting smaller. Yeah. Is this just talking about finances? Is, 
what do we do with the sort of scripture? I think um, it's not about a case of, well, obviously, if you're not generous, your bank account's going to get smaller and smaller. That's not what it's saying. My world is not my bank account. When my world is my bank account, that's a very small world. My world is much bigger than my bank account. My world is my influence. My world is the freedom that I have in my heart. My world is the space into which I walk. Salvation is under, the, the root word of salvation is a word yasa, which means a spacious place. God says, I give you my salvation. I poured my blood out to take you into a spacious place, not just in your spirituality, but in every area of your life, including something like generosity, including that. Just ask a husband who has found the ability and the gift to be generous to his wife, go ask his wife. So everyone wants a loving wife and everyone wants a, life, a, a, a marriage that's got all this fruitfulness to it, but we don't want to sow seed into it. Maybe the start of this journey is to start being generous with your spouse. Generous with words, generous with time, generous with energy, generous with thoughtfulness, and generous with finances. And what we find then is our world changes. And the Bible's saying here in this story is actually people's world. I know some of the wealthiest people who have millions and millions and millions in the bank, but their world is very small. Very small. I know some people who've got very little in the bank, but their world is very big. We've got to allow the Bible to fashion our paradigm of life, become a grid for life. And when we do that, we step into the freedoms and the promises that God gives us. That's why this is important, to speak about it and to teach about it. And to not just say that you take my word and go on the passion of a preacher, but you go on your own journey on discovery of who God is. That's what this is about. It's who God is. Just let's, let's get practical here in this, Mark, with taking that scripture, these thoughts that you've opened up for us. Can you give us some stories of maybe somebody investing in your life that has uh, produced fruit, somebody sowing into your life, or, or where you've sown into other people's lives? over the years, and, and, and how that's led you to become a giver, or led your world to become a bigger space. Let's just start there. Are there some stories that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think when it's generosity, it's not just finances, and, and uh, I've had people sow time into me, and you've heard me tell a story about my first home group leader. Um, yes, he, he did, he, he came, and he was the guy when I went my first shift at RJ's, because my parents had liquidated, and I was coaching cricket during the day. I was studying at night and working at RJ's four or five shifts a week. On my very first shift, my life group leader came, bought a 30 rand burger, and gave me a 50 rand tip. You don't forget that stuff, but he was also the guy who knew that I didn't have resources to go away with the boys, so when he bought his new motorbike, he kept his old one. Why? So that I could come with him. Let me just explain to you, I was 19, 20, he was 25, 26. He wasn't my natural earthly brother. He owed me nothing. Yeah. And I didn't add anything to his world at all. But God put me on his heart. Yeah. And none of you know his name, but I'm here because of that man yeah. who invested me, revealed the Father to me. And I trust I've been able to do the same thing for others because I've seen it modeled. And, and I've received graciousness and goodness and, and, and generosity at so many levels, but I also trust that I've been faithful with that and said, God, teach me what it is to go and teach me to see what you see in those things. Does that make sense? I mean, there's so many stories. Uh, uh, you've got stories? Yeah, well, I've got many stories, Mark, many stories. We go all night. How long do we have? 
Um, on a, in a similar vein, I just think it's important just to really just make sure that we're understanding that this is not just a finance thing. This is a, a whole life thing. It does touch our wallets. But uh, when I was 15, I moved from Zimbabwe to Durban on the back of recession in Zimbabwe. The economy collapsed. Financial, everything my parents had invested was turned to nothing overnight. We arrive in Durban. I'm a 15-year-old insecure redhead who dyed my hair black. And uh, I was very, very pale. And people would always ask me, are you sick? And I wasn't, but I was very insecure. And, uh, and the fact was, I arrived there, didn't have many friends, went to a youth group on a Friday night. And a similar instance, a man named Michael Silias, who was 19 years old, I was 15, he came to me and said, what, 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 what do you do, man? What do you do for fun? Trying to find some common ground to pull me in, because I had no friends, nowhere to hang out. And, and I said, I play golf. And, uh, and he said, so do I, which was a lie at the time, because he didn't. But because he decided in that moment that he was going to play golf, it wasn't a lie. But um, he went out the next day and he bought himself a second-hand set of golf clubs and he started to go to the giant range. And that week, week and every week onwards for the rest of the year, he would drive across. He was 19, he had just got his first job, he had just got his first salary, he had just got his first company car. Life was big and fun for him. But he chose to take what was his right and he invested into a young guy. He got his petrol and drove across town to pick me up. Uh, he, he bought the clubs with his salary. Uh, we played golf, and I realized he couldn't play golf. But we got better together, and, and, and this friendship birthed, and, and he was able to pull me into a, some sort of community and actually into a relationship with Christ yeah. and past insecurity. And, and again, similar things. I go, he's a name, man named Michael Silias. I haven't heard him preach before, but he's preached some of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life because yeah. he said, I'll give with what I have. And I think that's, that's what I think this series yeah. for us is this biggest space we're called to live in. We were able to see with eyes of faith and not just eyes of fear just about, we want to be like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard us and we sing that song, oh, to be like him, to give all I have just to know him. I'm like, oh, we sing, sing that. it again, Mark. Wow. And I'm like, I sing that song <laughs> afterwards, I'm like, I give all I have. Yeah, it's like, oh, get back in. No, that's what the Bible says. So I want to know, I want to be like him. And God is a giver. He gave his son. That's my son. Don't try to take him from me. I promise you, I'll put my body in the way to protect him. Yeah. And God said, I'm going to give my son. We've got to understand who God is. Yeah. It's not about read the religious r rubbish. It's about who God is. It's about the fact that God is a generous father. And most people don't believe it because our fathers on earth aren't generous. They are absent, either absent in reality or absent in their lack of presence. They are fighting their own battles of insecurities and pressures and things like recessions make fathers become ungenerous fathers. And we have to teach this next generation who God is so that we can redeem and restore and see God revealed as signs and wonders so that our kids grow up revealing Him. Yeah. I could preach for days oh, there, but let's go. Let's get going. But uh, on a similar vein, just if I can just, uh, as I said, I've got stories for days. Just... Um, <laughs> But just the headlines, when I was 16 years old, a year later, my mom and dad, we again, we no money living in granny flats of other people's homes in Durban, and there was a mission trip that came available to go to the Congo, and I was battling secretly at that time, no one else knew lust and pornography and, and this addictions, and I was just desperate, wrestling, who am I in this journey? And uh, the call was to go on this mission trip, it was going to cost a large sum of money to go, we did not have the cash, and my parents came to me and said, actually, we're going to send you on the trip, and I said, how, how, it's impossible, 
we, we can't afford it, Mom and Dad. Don't be silly. He said, you're going on the trip. And I went on the trip. And I, at that time, it didn't dawn on me because I was very self-focused. My parents had sold their second car, the cheap car that we had. They sold the second car for us to go, for me to go on this mission trip. And I think it, was, it only dawned on me years later the profound nature of that sacrifice to invest in the young boys on that trip, that God spoke to me, that God freed me from addictions, from lust, that set me up for a future. Yeah. And I don't think in that moment my parents went and said, actually, let's work out how much this car worth, how much is his future worth. No, they just sowed in faith, saying, God, we trust you with his future. Yeah. But trust looks like sacrifice on this end. And I think that's what we've been pressing it, that actually it's, we can get so caught up on amounts or how much, or, and if I do this, and will God do this, and as if he's a jukebox. But actually God's saying, will you trust me? And trust looks like sacrifice. Trust looks like us saying, actually, I'm going to give where it's actually to stretch. And so where there's no guarantee in my earthly lens that there's going to be a return. But I'm going to trust you, God, with what you're doing under the soil. Yeah, I think... You know, so often you'll come to church and church will do a finance series and they'll get the person who comes and said, I tithed for the third time last month and I got my biggest deal three days later. And everyone goes, yes, I'm going to tithe because three days later I'm going to get the biggest deal. Yeah. I mean, come on, how low is that? I've just got to be honest. It's such a small picture of God. Yeah. God's saying, I want your heart. And actually, my goodness is bigger than just money in your bank account, although that is part of the prosperity that is promised to God's children. And, and it's got to be a bigger story. Here's the thing. When I was 20 years old, I had the privilege of playing sports overseas. I came back, and everything inside me wanted to run back. But I went on a camp because that guy who I mentioned, his name, uh, my first group of life, he's paid for me to go on a camp. And on that camp, God spoke to me and said, you stay here. I will provide. And in that year, before I'd done anything of any radical faith nature, God brought a young lady along front of my past called Candace Enslin, and, and, and he brought an Irish businessman into my life who didn't know my parents had been liquidated. And he said to me, I've watched you. You've been a friend of my daughter. I want to pay for your studies. An unsaved Irish businessman who grew up starting working on the ships when he was 14 years old. Only the next year did I start earning a salary of any real size or proportion. And then there's a decision to make. I've believed when I didn't have any reality of really making that decision. And all of a sudden, there's this amount of money that comes in that's bigger than anything you've seen in your life. You have a decision to make. Do I still trust God? Do I still want to believe Him and reflect Him? Do I still? And I'm so grateful to God that at a young age, I had enough of the Word in me and enough fathers who'd loved me and enough people who demonstrated to me the love and the faithfulness of God that I walked and have walked since that day a story of faithfulness and giving giving to the local church because I believe in the mission of the local church. I believe it's powerful and we'll maybe use an image to show that. But also beyond. Something aside, when my little boys, this little guy here, hey Ben Ben, he's a generous boy. He, he gets his birthday money. He comes to me and says, Dad, I want to give some away. Because wow. we've taught him from a young age. We're going to be givers. But my other little boy, Judah, it's like big negotiations. <laughs> Dad, do I have to? No, boy, you actually don't. But I think it'll be really good for you. And I think your father in heaven will be really pleased. But dad, that extra 50 bucks would be amazing. You know how many marbles I can buy? No, my boy, I know. I know there's lots of marbles you can buy. I've got to teach my children to yeah. be like him. To be like me is too small. I want to be like him, but to be like him that they'd go further, they stand on my shoulders and step into more. Yeah. So Mark, we're sitting here and we hear some of these stories and 
my, my heart swells saying, I want to be like, like an, an Irishman who pay for studies. I want to be a, a, a parent who sells something. I want to be somebody who, who gives generously and takes the moments and that other peoples in years to come will say, thank goodness for so-and-so and so who sowed. But these dramatic moments don't just happen. How do we start? Where do we start? How would you tell someone, how do you start a life of generosity uh, so that you can start taking these spontaneous moments in, in years to come? Yeah, it's amazing. Even in series like this, you preach a series. I'll get emails on Monday. I want to do this for the world and change the world. I'm saying, don't start with trying to change the world. Don't, don't start there. Start where the Bible says start. And, and the Bible does say, and yes, I am salaried paid staff on the story, and I wasn't always, but I am now. The Bible does say, bring to first the first fruits to the storehouse. That's what it says. I don't change that. I believe, and, and please listen to the preach this morning. Tithing was 400 years before the law, and Jesus came in Luke, and he, and he speaks about actually give a tenth. Don't stop giving a tenth of your dill, cumin, and that thing. He says, but, but continue to remember justice. He says, do the, do the last without forgetting the former. He's saying, make sure we still remember justice. What's he saying? He's saying, pay your staff properly. You, you want to start being generous? Don't just buy your wife a diamond ring. Make sure you pay the people who help you in your home or at your marketplace Pay them properly and fight for other things. Start in the, in the basics, the small things. Get order in your finances if there's chaos and disorder. Get order there so that you can become a giver. Kick into the cycle. Kick out of that cycle and kick into more and understand actually so where there's eternal value. We live in a world where it's instant gratification. I'm going to spend now because it makes me feel good now and, and I'm going to buy this thing even though I can't afford it and I'm going to pay it off over the next seven years and I'm, in six years' time it's going to be falling apart and no one wants to buy it. I'm just being honest. I've seen people make these things. They come to me three years later. What have I done? I'm like, but. Make wise decisions. It's not hard. Go to the Word. Find out who God is and find wisdom. And if you can't find it, ask your brothers. Find brothers who can help and speak into that and find life. And, and, and start with the small. I do believe, give to the storehouse. And then, but don't stop there. It's a base level. Find God and ask him to show you. I, I watched a man named Rory Dye. He, he watches in a meeting and he watches life. Do you want to be a generous person? Get generous eyes. Yeah. Do, you not, do you understand that? Yeah. Eyes that are seeking out where you can be generous. People tell me, oh, I'll wait till God to speak. Our God will tell me where to be good. The problem is if you're not listening, you're not going to hear anyway, and God has already told you to be generous many times in his word. And he says, actually, if you'll trust me, on the other side of your generosity, you'll find I am there. And it starts with the, the person that's in front of you. Be generous with your eyes. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your presence. And then it starts more that, are you looking for opportunities to sow? Are, are you looking? Yeah. Are you saying, actually, maybe I've got 20 bucks. I've got 20 bucks and it's 20 bucks I want to sow. Are you looking for opportunities to sow that? Because if you're not, you're not going to see them. Because I saw Jesus and he walked and he saw a well there and there was a woman at the well and I don't think he went to that well because of water. I think he went there because there was a woman at that well and he's a generous God and he walked there because he saw her. I want to be a person who sees what God sees and God sees opportunities for his grace and his goodness and his kindness. I want to be like that. I really do. Mark, just a time's sake, I think for me my heart is being stirred. Yeah, there's... In the, and you've, you've brought it up recently again that there's this, these two narratives in the, in the New Testament. Uh, there's two men who've, who've, whose hearts are seemingly entangled by the love of money. And then Jesus enters their story. And one of them is Matthew, the, the tax collector. 
and one is another man called the rich young ruler. Yeah. Both are men who get this tug of war and they're on this side, wanting to be generous, but, but really having this tension. They're in this, this, this cycle and the cycle, and Jesus enters their story and, and actually demands of them, but they both have different responses. Can you talk us through those two responses and why that's appropriate for us? Yeah, I think it's, it was one of my first preachers I preached. I was still in the marketplace, earning a salary from a corporate, and wrestling this thing myself. And then I looked at the word, and I saw this guy called the rich young ruler. What does it not say? His name. And he gets this call from Jesus, and Jesus says, he says, I want to be like you, teacher. He says, teacher. See, the problem with teacher is teachers give me knowledge that don't change my heart. He says, teacher, teacher, I want to be like you. I want, and, and he says, okay, you want to be like me? Give all this wealth that's so deep inside your heart. Give it away and come and follow me. He says, oh, not so sure. Sign my book and I'll walk away. That'll be enough for me. And he leaves. And then there's another man named Matthew Levi, and he's a tax collector. He sold his soul out and he sold his own people out to fight for money. He says, I'm going to sell. He takes taxes and more than he's allowed to from his own my people. Why? Because so that he's fine, so his consumer habit can continue. So his fear is fueled and found peace in a, in, a, in a ripping off of his own people. And then he encounters Jesus, just like the rich young ruler did. And in one encounter with Jesus, Jesus just says to him, he doesn't say, work it out, do the sums, get an Excel spreadsheet, and see if it makes sense to follow me, because it won't. Here's what we're talking about, irrational generosity that doesn't make sense to different, it just doesn't make sense. He calls Matthew Levi out of smallness and out of wealth of this world into a bigger story, an eternal story, and Matthew makes one decision. See, for most of us, our breakthrough is on the other side of just one or two decisions, not a hundred, just one or two big ones. Do I believe the Bible? Just one or two. Matthew Levi makes a decision. 2,000 years later, we are sitting here Matthew has written a book of the Bible. Matthew has been one of the apostles. Matthew's counsel for the kingdom of God. We read his book. He reveals Jesus to us. His name is still echoed as a hero of faith. And on the other side, there's this guy who got the same call, and we just know him as the rich young ruler who never walked into it. Lee's just playing a game on his cell phone. But I'm, do you want to be Matthew Levi? Or do you want to be a guy known as the rich young ruler? No one knows who he is. See, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying this guy didn't go to heaven. People make this a heaven and hell issue. It's not actually a heaven and hell issue. It's a what am I going to do with my time on earth issue? And will I make Jesus my king on the time of earth? Matthew made Jesus a king on the time of earth. And they could both be an eternity to heaven, together. And the Bible does say there's rewards in heaven. Let's not even go there. Let's just go on impact on this earth. I want to have impact for the name of Jesus on this earth. Andrea died at 30 years old. This place was full. Full. Why? Because her life has impacted and changed and her courage has inspired and her faith in Jesus has called others to draw near to him. And yet in years and years and years more than Andrew was given, other people haven't impacted the world. Matthew Levi made one decision, just one, to follow Jesus. In the one thing that his heart has given to finances, in that one decision, he walks into influence for the kingdom of God and another guy walks away into obscurity. And I'm saying, God... My life is to bring you glory, not because I'm a preacher, just because I love you, and I'm grateful, and I believe. And because I believe, I'll make the one or two hard decisions that are part of following Jesus. This is a discipleship issue. Our job is not to fill seats in a church. Such a low thing in church. 
Our job is to make disciples of Jesus. The Bible says teach them how. Not just teach them what it looks like to be a disciple. The Bible says teach them how to be disciples. Why do we preach on an issue that we know? Some people are sitting and, and the backsides are clenched tight on the seat because this is a tough issue. <laughs> I know that. Because it is an issue in our world. Why do we preach it? Because I want freedom for you and I want freedom for my own heart. And I'm preaching to my own heart because every day I still have to make decisions to follow Jesus every day and to trust him every day. See, that little kid has been to OT for the last 18 months and it's been very expensive. And there would be moments I could have pulled him out of OT. Why? Out of fear. But I've got to trust God. You gave me this little boy. He needs help. You will provide. I've got to trust I just think as we land this moment uh, with the passionate appeals, with the Word of God in front of us, I think for me as we land this series, uh, I've been challenged to make decisions because for, for me to open my hands, God has got to get to my heart. Uh, we're not, God has to open this heart. We can't just, we're, not, we're not called to be, uh, we're not a social organization who just want to give money away and that's it. No, we want to make an impact for eternity. And actually God says if you're generous, your world will get bigger, you'll get opportunities and you can invest in eternal things not just earthly things here and now. And I, I just feel that, that call there, Mark, saying that actually our breakthrough, our freedom in areas is just one or two decisions away. Yeah. I think there's a moment now to make a decision. Yeah. And, uh, and I think I'm going to ask, if we can just take 10 seconds, you, we're going to close our eyes, no one else is going to know it. But if you say, God, in light of this, in light of your word, what is my decision going to be? And it's tangible, it's practical. We can't say, I want to be a generous person in my heart. Generosity looks like something. What is it going to be? Is it going to say, actually, I'm going to start giving consistently to, to, to the local church. I'm going to start looking with eyes of faith. I'm going to start uh, say, working out how, what is bread and what is seed in my salary. How am I going to do What is the one thing that's going to activate your heart? No one's going to come and check up on this. This is between you and God. So I'm going to ask us. Close our eyes for 10 seconds. Then Mark's going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to seal this word in our heart. Jesus, you're here now. And you give the same call that you gave to the rich young ruler and to Matthew Lever. You just say, come follow me. You don't shout it. You don't use intimidation or fear. But with love in your eyes, compassion in your heart, dreams and desires for your children, deep in your soul, you call your children to follow you. And God, at this time, there's a battle. There's a battle of the voices of this world and the voice of a father who says, I'm here, I'm faithful, yeah. I'm generous, I'm kind. Yeah. The battle rages, God, and I pray your word. Even, even though tonight was different, I pray would, would, would hearts find courage to follow you yeah. the way Matthew Levi did, the way many others have, the way Andrew Van Rain does, Lord the way Andrea Van Rain did, and she is with you now. I pray, Jesus, Andrea Hughes, I pray, Jesus, that there wouldn't just be good intentions or a pledge in this place. I pray for actions and steps to follow that change the world. That change the world. I want to be a part of changing the world. Someone planted a tree, and years later, a little man was trying to see Jesus, and he got to climb a tree. His name was Zacchaeus. He got to see Jesus, and his life and eternity was changed forever. But someone planted that tree. The challenge to us remains, will you plant trees, or will you just consume? Will you be a son, or will you be a survivor? 
Will you trust the promises of the Bible or will you trust the pleasures of this world? Will you kick out of what is normal in this world and kick in to what is normal in heaven? And will your name resound in the letters of faith or will your name not be known in the economy of eternity? Jesus, I pray, Spirit of God, you are here. You reveal the Father, reveal the Son. I know in this room, some have money in their bank accounts and some don't. Some have futures because of degrees and that some don't. I know that, God, and yet I know there's a Father in heaven yeah. who desires to bless His children. And I pray, God, let us respond in faith and let us see the miracles that are promised in Your Word that follow the signs, the signs and wonders that follow the preaching of Your Word. That You would get all the glory, that You would get all the praise, that Your name would be renowned as the generous Father who Your sons can come running home to, Your daughters can come running home to, Lord. That Willow, Grace, and Jordan can keep running, running to you, God. We thank you, King. Amen.